0: Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, Welcome everyone to another episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 39. Today we spoke to Ode Osborne, UFC fighter, school educator, Jamaican-born, and sent by God for greatness. We learned about a remarkable journey from the beaches near Kingston, Jamaica, to Wisconsin and Florida in the USA. O'Day shares a story about the epiphany he had when he was a young boy and how that set him on a path to greatness, and ultimately, the ultimate fighting championship. Ode tells us about his start in wrestling, his introduction to mixed martial arts, otherwise known as MMA, and his style in the fight game, that of free flow. Fight analysts call Ode Osborne the Picasso of MMA, and say his style resembles that of the legendary Brazilian UFC fighter, Anderson the Spider Silva. What made this episode special was when Ode shared his teachings and leadership building strategies that he employs with the young students he works with in school through elements of MMA, such as structure, motivation, and discipline. There is so much to take away from this episode, from key themes such as mindset, resilience, and grit. If you'd like more information on this episode or any of our others, check out our website, www.sleepyperformrepeat.com Please subscribe, share, rate and review. But most importantly, listen, and enjoy.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleepy Performer Piece. Today we are speaking with Ode Osborne, who David is going to give an introduction to. Ode, firstly, thank you very much
0: for coming on today. We had quite a, a nice encounter recently in the UFC Performance Institute in Vegas. I was over there. But a bit of NBA consultancy work, and we got chatting. And I suppose I've reached out to you to come on to our podcast today because you're really on the start of your big journey with the UFC, obviously. You had your Contender Series recently with Dana White. Um, you call yourself the Jamaican Sensation. You've had quite a story to date. So we're looking forward to hearing how life is for you now and tapping into exactly what high performance means to Ode Osborne. I hit something by accident um no, no problem
2: yeah no problem um it was no it's, it's funny how we met we just randomly sitting in the lobby actually thought that was interesting how that how we we, we actually met to being on a podcast with you
0: exactly exactly it's kind of it's kind of one of those random sort of chain of events when you were looking at me and kind of going oh what's this guy doing here he doesn't really look like he knows what he's doing and then i saw across me a fellow with <laughs> with a couple of big dudes beside him. I was like, this guy obviously is some athlete training here. So I'm just going to keep to myself for a while. Um, (laughs) and, and then we got, that's not me though. Well, that's what I learned. So, so tell, tell the listeners over a little bit about, about your story and, and what you're doing these days. Um, oh man, my
2: story, where do I start? So I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, Mom and dad are both Jamaican. Dad's side of family, actually, my dad's side of family, is in London. So I have a lot of family in London. Obviously, if you know your history, Jamaica was, you know, ruled ruled by the Brits about only about eighty years ago. That's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, if you see, I'm gonna send you something. I just sent you something in your inbox. I just sent. I just did my ancestry, and I just did my ancestry. And I have like seven percent. Uh, you know, European ties, uh, I think 2% Irish um, because of that, you know, that whole hist- historian fact. But anyway, it's going back to the, you know, I, I grew up in, in Kingston, lived there since I was about nine years old, and I lived with my grandma, actually, on the beach for a little bit so until, until my mom could come to the States, uh, work a little bit, and get me up here. Now, at about the age of seven years old, I remember this day, like, like if it was yesterday, there was an airplane flying, um, you know, flying in the sky, and I looked up, and I had this, 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 this divine intervention, this feeling, like, that I was meant to be somewhere else doing something great, hmm. and at the time, I didn't really understand the feeling that I was having, but I knew it was, you know, it was almost like an epiphany or something, I don't even know but I remember that that, just that, that that spark that was that spark that started everything that spark of I I need to be somewhere else and ever since that day looking up at that airplane I've been on a mission to to conquer you know what I mean what it is that God wants me to conquer because I am a man of God of course um and I've always believed since that day that I, I I was sent on a journey to do something spectacular. I didn't know what it was. But, so I moved to Brooklyn. Brooklyn, my mom finally worked and brought me to Brooklyn. I moved to Brooklyn, and about two or three months after I moved to the States, uh, the World Trade Center it, uh, happened. I don't know if you, obviously you remember that whole situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I was only about 45 minutes away. And I remember it. I remember just being in class and just the scariest thing. Uh, I'm in class and all these kids are getting evacuated and get picked up from school. And I'm from like a different country. So I'm like, what, what in hmm. the world is going on? I have no idea what's going on. So everyone, all the kids are being evacuated. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was definitely a terrifying moment. Definitely a terrifying moment. Um, uh, so now my mom ended moving me to Florida so now we went. I I I moved to Florida. It was just me, and my mom. I then started high school wrestling. So we started high school wrestling and football. I played both two sports: wrestling and I played football. Um, I eventually not soccer, like you know, foot football, like Jamaican Irish football, but American <laughs> yeah. football.
0: Yeah.
2: <clears throat> so I eventually stopped playing football because I I, I got I I didn't really enjoy the whole politics of the sport being, you know, it, it's, it's a team sport, right? Mm. I, was very, I was always so competitive that if we lost, it was it, it was nothing I could do about it because, you know, a lot of it was
0: it was a team thing. You gotta take, take your loss as a team, right? It was kind of out of your but control switched, a
2: Exactly, it's out of your control. Now I switched over, I, I started focusing my energy on wrestling. So I focused all my energy on wrestling and uh, I started my first year, my first year with uh, my wrestling coach, which was one of the guys that you met, Ben Holmes. Okay. He was there in the lobby. I was about fourteen or fifteen, and Ben, you know, saw me, and he was like, "Dude, you should, you should, you should do wrestling because you are a spectacular athlete." I, he was my football coach as well, and so I was like, "Okay." So I ended up going to the wrestling room one day. And just messing around with a lot of football players. And I was just like, I just picked I picked it up really, really fast. And so the next couple of years, I developed a knack for wrestling. And then I moved across the state to Wisconsin, close to Canada. And, um, you know, I moved with Ben. Now I'm here. I started MMA about 2012. 2013, I said. I had my first fight in 2013. So I had a coach. His name was Reese Shainer. Um, Reese was such a martial artist. He pretty much taught me how to, you know, be respectful, how to have discipline. Because I just came out of high school. You know, I came out of high school. i you know, anyone that comes out of high school is still super immature, chasing girls and parties and stuff like that. And Reese was such a martial artist. He was just like, you know, he wanted to kind of like tame me a little bit and certain things he, he didn't really stand for and so I you know looked at him as a, as a father he was like a father figure to me so he taught me the traits of being a martial artist and we did jujitsu, kickboxing and everything he was not just my my coach but my mentor a father great individual and for five years I was undefeated as an amateur as a pro uh, I, I think I was I was three and0 as a professional fighter at the time and then uh, you know one night i got a call saying he he died in a motorcycle accident and so i had to change gyms so i switched mm. i switched over to a different gym um, you know this gym was at the time one of the best gyms probably number 1 number 2 number 3 in the world uh, i'm not sure if you've heard of them rufus sport
0: what's it called sorry rufus sport I've I've heard of they it. Had, I have heard of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they had um, Anthony Pettis did the Showtime kick.
0: Who's fighting uh, soon? You know, yeah. His
2: brother. Sh- yep, he's fighting Nate Diaz. Yeah, his brother Sergio. So we had they had a bunch of UFC fighters. So for me, that was like the greatest thing in my life, being around all those UFC fighters and stuff like that. But it was the environment wasn't exactly uh, for me. It wasn't exactly my um, style of environment because Reese was such a martial artist. He was such about discipline and um, bowing, and you know what I mean—just the, the traditional martial art background. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they were not—they were not like that at all. It was a lot more militant and aggressive, and it, it wasn't predict- particularly for me. It was a good gym, but just wasn't for me. So I ended up going to the gym I'm at now, called Pura Vida. And I met Jake. Jake, Jake, who's the head coach there, who you also met in the lobby. Yeah, yeah. Now is yep, Jake and Zach. Now now are my coaches at Pure Vita. And they they were they were just exactly like how Reese was and they let me do whatever I want to do. Um for fighting for me, it's not about um, being so technical, right? Uh the gym that I was at before, they're super technical. They're you know, they're a technical, pretty technical gym. But my style is—I would say my style is kind of more like Anderson Silva in a way. Not you know, not that I'm exactly like Anderson Silva. I just that's more of my style. Free, kind of just a free flow. That's why I consider myself um, an artist.
0: Picasso of the
2: game. Picasso, exactly. There you go, <laughs> Picasso. I like to—I like the free flow.
1: Very good. So, yeah,
2: so now I'm here, man. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that was a long,
0: a long story. No, but it's an interesting story, okay, man. And everybody wants to hear stories like that because look look what you're doing with yourself now, and you're you're up in the mainstream and you're you know you're a leader and your people are going and watching you and people want to learn from you and see what you've done to get where you are. So it's a great story. Thank you, man. I thank
2: you. And I work I also uh I so I started I don't know if you know this, but I work in a school as well, which we're gonna start here. We're gonna start back soon um i work with fifth and sixth grade students and um you know you you said the leader thing and i, I it just it just sparked just a memory i was watching batman last night and you know something i i, I tell the kids all the time is that i try I, I have a system and i my system is i try to get the kids who are the most disruptive in my school, and make them into leaders, young leaders, because those are the kids that no one pays attention to, but those are the kids who actually are the leaders, and everyone follows. And everybody get, even noticed. Everybody follows. I'm sorry.
1: And you get a good reaction. Do they how do the kids themselves react to that?
2: Oh well, they don't know. It's just it's a, it's a system I've I've developed. Um, and I use the system through martial arts, so I, it's it's structure motivate, discipline. Okay, so yeah, how do
1: the kids respond to the the leadership program then in school?
2: Um, well, you know, they the, the the end the end game slash goal is for them to be you know strong leaders, and it actually works very well. I've developed, I've been using it throughout you know throughout the years now, and it works very very well. Because what I do is I use martial arts, I implement it within the school, like structure, motivate, and discipline. So I use the structure of martial arts to kind of just build that, uh, build that gap between students, teachers, or, or whatever, and um, I just motivate them as much as possible. And the key, when I use discipline, the key is discipline, people think that discipline is when a kid does something bad or wrong you give them a consequence. That's not what discipline is. Discipline is teaching them to do something they don't want to do, but they know that they should do it anyway. That is the real meaning of discipline. That's actually how you should implement discipline. Teaching a kid to do something that they don't want to do. For instance, if they don't want to uh, read their book, right? You teach them, like, okay, you don't say read your book. You say, you know, if you read your book this many times a day, on your test scores will be incredible or well, here's the benefits that you get from reading your book i know you don't want to do it but you know you'll, you'll
0: grow from it I mean, you'll, you'll be such a smart kid that you just continue to read it okay, oh we, we were getting all obviously there's a lot of important things for our listeners to take away there from you know positive mental attitude mindset leadership how you can build that kind of strong mental resilience mentality with people that might not always have it we just want to touch on something before we kind of get into our performance quickfire questions just with regards to um you know you've been coined the Picasso of MMA you've obviously said you admired the spider Brazilian Anderson Silva just tell us a little bit about you know have you ever experienced being in what we would call the zone or in that kind of flow state when you're in an octagon and it's all kind of clicking and everything just all that prep and practice you put in in terms of wrestling and fighting, came to that point, and it all just came together for you.
2: Yeah, I I meditate a lot. Um, actually, that, now that you said that, I meditate a lot. And what I try to do is I try to implement a stoic mindset. So when I get in the cage, I, there's no there's no personality. If that makes any sense. It's just I get into a certain zen. So I practice all of this on the outside. Of the Octagon. So, for instance, what I'll do is I'll I'll pick one thing per week and I'll work on that one thing. Um, I'll take patience, right? Yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll I'll let people cross. You know, I'll let people go go across the street without even um, honking, or I'll slow down for the yellow light, or I'll wait on things that I don't normally wait on. Um, it sounds silly, and it really does. It sounds very silly, but. Building for me, building your patience on the outside of the cage makes you a, a much better fighter because that you you know that feeling of when you're waiting for something and you just want it to happen now. That that being you know you're you're, you're rushing. You want to rush something. So building my patience keeps me keeps me zen. So now when I'm in the octagon, I'm in a I'm in kind of a, a then state of mind where I don't have to think about anything and I have the ability to slow things down. A lot of fighters I think their weakness will be with me is that I have the ability to slow things down. So to everybody else, I look like I'm punching really, really fast and everything's so fast and I can react really fast. But to me, it doesn't look like that at all. For me in, in there it looks like everything is super slow. And I can just see things going very slow, and I can slow everything down, and it's like a game of chess for me. I don't go in there and throw a punch and not expect to get hit back. Every time I throw a punch, I know that the probability that I'm going to get hit. So I think beyond that, okay, I'm going to throw a punch. Now he's going to punch me back. I'm probably going to step back and counter off of his mistake so i have to bait him by going in there and just throwing a couple combinations waiting for him to punch back and then hit him again so there's there's that that zen outside but you have to have that zen if you don't have the zen you're gonna, you're probably going to get hit because you'll tense up everybody has a tell everyone has a tell no matter i don't know what everyone's tell is. But everyone has to tell whether they clinch up their body, they get tense, no matter what they do. For wrestling, they drop their level. They, they change their level. When they change their level now, I can see their tell because I'm so calm and I'm patient. I try to be very calm and patient in the fire. That is the most important part, I think, in being a martial artist. When you can be calm when someone is punching at you, you'll be a true artist.
1: Perfect. So, what we'll move on to the quick fire kind of performance related questions we give to most people on here. So just your, your, your thoughts on a few things, uh, performance related, how would you define high performance? What would that kind of phrase or term mean to you? If you were to define it in a sentence, we'll say,
2: how would I define high performance? Yeah. Um, almost, almost like I just said with the, I think high performance is, is having that, that fast twitch, the ability, to just react on a dime which i feel that not a lot of people have and i have a very high grasp of that fast twitch where i can react on a dime and being able to react on a dime means you have to put your body through a, a lot um for me i think i was just a gift that i was born with you know i don't think i think some people are born with it and some people aren't you can work that ability of, you know, that high performance fast switch, but that's something that I was just born, I was just born with that. Um, and I didn't realize that I was doing it. I didn't, rea- I didn't realize that I was able, I, was, I really was even like, you know, reacting so fast if I go back and watch my film and I was like, oh, that's funny. And for me, it looks like everything's going slow, but, uh, the ex- I think the uh, ability to react, but not just react, but the ability to be explosive off awesome of reaction is, is my definition of
1: being high performance. Okay, perfect. And then, uh, secondly, if something goes wrong for you in training or the ring and you you have to, or the octagon, sorry, you have to reset yourself kind of on the spot in the moment. Are there any little quick techniques that you use, like phrases or words you use to reset your focus? Oh yeah, I always pull my
2: short. I watch all my fights. I always pull my shorts up. I, I don't know why I do that. But like, I don't see I it's something that goes wrong. It's, it's not when something goes wrong. I just I think it's, a, it's just a, a little twitch I do when I'm being really, really cocky.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> when I'm, when I'm being, it's kind of like like in the middle of my fight, I'll pull my short stuff like, okay, that's, that's kind of like my reset. Like, all right, let's, let's take it to him a little bit more.
1: Perfect. And then the last one for me, uh, Ode, what would you say your big three areas of focus are at the moment, whether that's in your training or your your, your fighting or personal personal life, anything like that?
2: Oh, man. Um, the big one is obviously focusing on myself, because a lot of people get so wrapped up in the fans. And, and I love the fans because they, I wouldn't be who I am without them. But for me the fans can also add a lot of pressure to how you how you perform. So I try to focus I try to take everything that the fans say with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, you're so awesome. You're you you are gonna be a UFC champion, all the stuff that they say to me. I try to take it I try to take it with a grain of salt because they're supposed to say that. I try not to let it get to my head because if you if you if you're going on if you going on those small aspects, you'll never make it anywhere. So I focus on myself and just keep on getting better every single day and, and working hard, regardless of what people say, I have to outwork myself. I'm the only one that I, I work with. Um, and the other thing is my kids in my school, man, they they really make me the fighter I am because coming in and just the love that they show me. And a lot of days I feel that I need them more than they need me, I've said that before. That really, really helps me focus on why i want to be a fighter you know it's not it sounds silly but a lot of people may think that oh i'm in the ufc to be a fighter which i am in the ufc to be a fighter that sounds it sounds kind of silly right uh of course i'm in the ufc to fight but the bigger picture for me is i i'm in the ufc so i can help a lot of kids and you know i can help more kids now and and teach them that they can come from somewhere small like jamaica or even their own city and not have much, and be whatever it is they want to be. And I can get that message across that you can just be, you can be whatever you want to do, just as long as you try hard. You don't have to be the
0: best at at the time. You've got to try hard. O'Day Osborne, look, I was going to ask you about your life lesson, but I think you've just told myself and and Connor here, and all our listeners at CP Perform Repeat that just keep trying harder, keep pushing, keep grinding. Um, we'd like to say thank you very much for coming on today we've both really enjoyed it you've got such an interesting story there with what you're trying to do with helping helping the kids in your school helping them grow and become better people better leaders and i suppose seeing in themselves the ability that they have as humans going forward and we also we're wishing you all the best in the octagon you're in a you're in a, an interesting weight class there with guys like faber dominic cruz trisudo marlon mores and guys like that but we want to see you, uh, you know, do playing around with your shorts, and can um, oh. you continue, continue to keep winning emphatically? And wishing you all the best, and hope to see you sometime soon in Wisconsin, my friend.
2: Thank you, man, I, and I hope to keep winning. Uh, you know the way I have been. I think the the mindset that I, I have to continue to have, and it's not a, a, a me being arrogant or cocky thing. It's just a mindset I have to continue to have is that I want to obliterate everybody in the first round. No no prisoners, just bodies. We like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sounds That's good, That's the bro. mindset I have to continue to have. No one needs to be even close to me. Nobody needs to be even close to me. And if they get close to me, I, I have to just obliterate them.
0: All right, take good care. Soon. Talk to you soon, pal.